Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Creative Control with Vish Benvy is a novelist, writer, musician, songwriter, and singer currently based in Toronto, Ontario. Raised in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Benvy has published two acclaimed novels, 2004's Safety of War and 2011's Maintenance, both of which are available via Coach House Books. He is also well known for playing in bands like Thrush Hermit, The Deers, Camouflage Knights, and Tigra Benvy. His latest outfit is called Bankruptcy, which just released a new record called For the Future via 1.7 publications. Bankruptcy play Adelaide Hall in Toronto on September 8th, 2016, 
And here now to talk about some of these things is Rob Benvia. Hello, Rob. How are you? Hi, Vish. I am great. Nice to have you on the show. Where Where are you today? Uh, I am in my home uh, in in Toronto, Ontario, downtown Canada, <laughs> as they call it, as I call it. Yes, as you call it. And how how are things going in Toronto? Uh, things are nice. The weather's taken a turn. Uh, it's uh, crisp and autumnal and and rather pleasant today. So it's it's nice. It started to cool down. It, it is probably the hottest summer you've ever spent in Toronto. I bet. It's a bit. It was a bit uh, grueling. Yeah, it was a bit muggy. Um, but you know, I it's it's what we it's what I signed up for. So. By being born or, in Canada, or, frankly. Yeah, I don't know what I mean by that. Uh, <laughs> it, it, I don't know. If we uh, maybe we're just. Uh, it's 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 just what it's what's happening with the world, you know, weather. The weather happens, happens to the world, but there's something about Southern Ontario which I feel. And you, uh, sorry, how long have you lived in Toronto? Because you lived in Montreal, you lived in Halifax, obviously. Like I said, you lived in Montreal. Kind of yeah. sp- split your time between Montreal and Toronto. I think is what happened, right? Yeah, I've been sort of back and forth a few times. Uh, this spell, I think it's, gosh, four years? Four years I've been in Toronto? Is that yeah. it? Oh, okay. Uh, I thought it was longer well, this, than that. This, this time, well, then I was back in Montreal, and then I was in Toronto before that. And so, I, I, as I said, I've been back and forth. So, why the, uh, it's, it's all haze. Why the hopping and the scotching? <laughs> uh, various reasons. Uh, you know, uh, employment, education, various projects various uh pursuits my my wife is from montreal ah um and so her you know there's connections there um but i spent the first 25 or so years of my life out in halifax and and you know since then i've been sort of hopping around yeah yeah and and, i mean toronto montreal two of the busiest cities if not the two busiest cities. Somehow. Well, I guess Vancouver is pretty busy, but to, Toronto, Montreal, very busy, dense, you know, a lot of humanity that you have to deal with all the time. Halifax, more Did pleasant. Do you say humidity or humanity? Humanity <laughs> or humidity? Oh, the there's humidity. There's a lot of humanity in Toronto and a lot of inhumanity. <laughs> yes, there's. I think I agree with you there. Yeah, there's just a lot of stuff you got to deal with in those two cities. You grew up in Halifax, which is kind of a slower pace, right? Slightly less stuff. Slightly less people. There's less stuff to deal with, but uh, but it's still there's still humanity there too. <laughs> <laughs> Just do, a different breed. Do you have a? Did you do you prefer Toronto or Montreal? Uh, and I know that you're in Toronto, and this could cause you some grief if you answer uh, poorly. <laughs> uh, I I like them both for different reasons. Uh, you know, I like I'm a city guy. I like living in the city, so I I like being you know kind of in the in the I, I like the noise and I like the 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 density mm. of of living in Toronto so it, it it appeals to me I like riding my bike I like you know getting yelled at it's good <laughs> okay so <laughs> Toronto okay that's good I, I most people who live in Toronto and end up on this show tell me they really like living in Toronto very few people will tell me they don't like it uh, they like well there's 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 things to dislike as well too. I mean, don't don't get me started. But there's uh, there's lots to gripe about too. But you know, and, and there's the probably the longer for a long time I denied even giving a gosh darn about the city. I was kind of like, oh, I'm just here for for uh, 
you know, logistical and convenience yeah. sake and, and felt no sort of personal connection to it. And so, you know, when, when discouraging things happened or, you know, like, uh, controversy with mayors or, or, uh, certain, you know, celebrities, I would sort of roll my eyes and go like, Oh, Toronto people. Like, but, uh, but I guess as time rolls on, I, I, I do feel certain, certain attachment to it. I start, I start to care a bit more about what's actually going on in my community. I like, I like, I live in Parkdale. I like it here a lot. And I sort of feel a bit more of a connection to the, the street level happenings and then, and what's going on with, you know, actual, people as opposed to some sort of abstract idea about citizenship or something i don't know we're, we're speaking on uh, september 1st uh and as yeah. i understand it was there not a big uh incident in parkdale like just last night was there not a, a an assault a stabbing or something oh uh i, I don't okay know. well you're you you're, you're gonna mind. you just mentioned that you're really connected to the streets and what's going on in your community? I thought that was a big. Someone was periscoping it. I saw on Facebook they were periscoping something. Clearly, my connection isn't as deep and <laughs> profound as I claim it is. I guess I'm not even uh, aware of, of violence at okay, my Okay, that's fine. So, then you know, you're probably or or maybe I'm just completely uh, numb to everything. You know, who knows? It could be that you're the perpetrator. Frankly, I mean, at this point, this. This could be all a cover story, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You're into not- or yeah, <laughs> countless scenarios come to mind. But I think, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's fine. I like that you said that uh, you yeah. didn't want to gripe about stuff because I think of you, and you can forgive me if this is incorrect, but I think of you as kind of like an eagle-eyed, observational guy. That uh, like in your music, in your in your work, in your in your writing oh. too, you seem like a somewhat pessimistic fellow, and I don't know if that's. That's an inc- incorrect uh, assessment. I, no, I think it's correct. I mean, pessimistic. Is, I, I would maybe deny being a pessimist, but I, I do have a tendency toward the kind of um, obnoxious, um, and uh, and uh, and I do find myself. Um, uh, I, I can be a bit of a dick. I, I know I'm working on it. I, I sincerely I'm working on it. You and um, me both. And then, yeah, I mean, well, we, we should all be working on yeah. it. But I, I do know, uh, you know, we all have our own issues. But I, I've recent years, I think I've become a little more aware of my own and and trying to gain a little more humility and, and perspective on things. And, and I think, uh, you know, maybe um, in years past, I was a bit more of ego driven, brash. Uh, you know, uh, quick, quick to speak sort of person, and and I guess I still am. Um, but it, it, you know, I'm working on it. You know, we're all working on being a better person. And uh, I, I, I'm pessimistic. I mean, I, I think um, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, uh, you know, there are those who claim that um, you know, pessimists are are just people who are who are regularly disappointed, or you know, or uh, or sorry, that's not what I mean. Uh, that that a that someone who's disappointed often is uh, um, I'm not sure what I'm trying to say here. But well, uh, here's here's where here's where I went wrong. I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to answer your question and describe myself pithily, and I, I'm doing I'm doing a pretty poor job of it, of it. Well, I think that within your work as a songwriter and as a writer, there is uh, critical analysis. 
uh, and that's not necessarily pessimistic critical analysis, but you're, I feel like you're a thinker, and you're thinking about things, and you're analyzing things, and the, the darker stuff appeals to you. Uh, the kind of the stuff in human nature and in, in the world that is, is kind of subterranean, so kind of stuff we don't <laughs> maybe think about a lot, and it rises to the surface for you. That's where I was coming from. Yeah, I think I think that if you're an artist or a writer, you have an obligation to work hard at conceiving a worldview. And, you know, it's a, it's a rough world. And um, if you look at the world clearly and lucidly, uh, often it, it, the result is, you know, a, a disappointing outcome. Uh, that's a really vague way of saying that usually... Sadness or anger or uh, disenchantment are better fodder for work, you know, for for artistic output. I mean, I'm not one to to write songs about open-hearted, gleeful uh, ecstasies. Sure, (laughs) sure, yeah. But this is not doing. I'm not doing a very good job of selling my record here. But uh, well, we're not. We're not there yet. We're not there at the. We're not. Oh, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. We're going to sell the record because the record's great. And I, (laughs) I'm saying that some of this. And I'm and I'm taking your work as a whole here. It's very hard to kind of narrow it all down because even when you've done projects where let's let's like camouflage nights or something, or even this even this record where I think there are tinges of. Uh, there's always like uh, populism within what you're doing. Like pop, there's a pop framework for, for sure. it. So I don't think it's yeah. When it, you're not a you're not like some nihilist or something. You know what I mean? No, no. I think I think I always try to approach things from a sort of sense of humor standpoint. I mean, I'm not a, a morose person. I don't think no. Um, and I don't really like music that's consumed with its own sort of navel gazing uh, melancholy. Or, or only that, you know, like I think that that the most interesting songwriters or writers uh, are multidimensional, you know, and, and often um, I always think of things as being funny or not. And is this funny? But obviously funny is extremely loosely conceived. Sure. You know? So, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think anything I do is like comp- super shit your pants wacky, but it's it's there's a sense of humor or sort of bitter irony, you know, I mean, we always... It's a little sardonic. It's sardonic, yeah, exactly. And I think I think uh, you know, irony is 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 the fuel for a lot of uh, for a lot of illumination. You know, so um, mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. think that irony is just uh, not meaning what you say or that it's insincere. And I think it's the exact opposite. It's just finding a multi-layered way of approaching work. You know, and especially if you're writing a novel. I mean, a novel allows you to because it's you know there's space and length and depth and it's all about portraying the psychology it's easier to get a little more uh to go a little deeper in in prose in a song your your space is limited and your you know there's other parameters you got to reckon with just you know the sound of things and so um you gotta gotta simplify it and and get a little chiseled there with lyric writing yeah Um, so yeah you know you know what I'm saying. I'm not saying anything. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not rewriting the the recipe here. You know. <laughs> no, but your you, listeners you, know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I feel like you occupy an interesting space, and I want to ask you about it because uh, you have balanced uh, songwriting, as you say. There's a lot of, uh, in some ways, there's some spatial considerations 
in songwriting yeah. that you don't necessarily have to consider as a prose writer, as a novelist. So I'm, and, and you know, before bankruptcy, before this record, uh, I maybe missed some stuff that you were up to um, on your own, but it seems like it's been a little. I'm sorry, I, I got kids. I got. I don't have time for everything anymore. <laughs> I, I do. I love you, and I wish I knew everything you did. And I, it's hard to. You're also prolific. It's hard to keep up sometimes. Anyway, my yeah. point. My well, sort of. My point here is, uh, you balance uh, writing with music, and I think that's interesting. Yeah. You've got the two modes. And one you can kind of go off and. Uh, you know, I mean, there's obviously editing and chiseling that goes along with uh, with writing and drafts and all that stuff too. But wh- what about that? Do they feed into one another? Do you find that you are in a, in a place where, like, you, you the, the songwriting and the and the prose writing are kind of intermingling in your in your mind? I think uh, they intermingle more than I more than I'd expect in some ways. Um, you know, like I'm, I'm sort of a active note taker and uh and kind of i'm always writing and uh uh i feel even as things go on and and i have a bit more of a uh concrete process at the same time things are getting a little looser in terms of uh the two things bleeding into one another so like uh i don't really keep them separate. I don't know. It, it, I mean, like, it's sort of like asking the question where, you know, where do your ideas come from? And who knows? I mean, who knows any songwriter or anyone who writes music? Um, it's a tough thing to answer. True. Yeah. It, it's, it's usually like, um, I, I usually, writing songs, I'm not really one to write story songs or to think of songs as having a, as much of a narrative. Usually, songs are more portraying kind of a state of mind or a or a loose set of images that convey a set of mind uh you know just a metaphor um whereas with writing prose or writing screenplays which i've done it's obviously more about uh taking characters from one place to another um and in in a song you do the same thing but it's uh again it's it's there's limited space there's limited depth you can go into and so you know a great songwriter says a lot in in few words i am not great at that i'm i'm usually more of a blatherer and it, this as this interview is showing <laughs> it takes me a little while to get to a point uh and uh and so um you know i'd like to be one of the songwriters who could knock you out in two lines to you know be like a bob dylan who who is just the most quotable you know uh staggering uh guy <laughs> lyricist you know and well, uh, you're you're a wordy I'm you're not, a wordy lyricist as well if i might say well i'm wordy but i don't know if i'm really uh i, I it takes i'm a bit of a uh, i stumble on my words a lot but i sort of learned to embrace that and just kind of roll with it and and uh it takes a lot it takes a lot of editing for me to get get to where i'm going yeah whereas uh some people are very crisp and and uh lucid and and to the point you know and and i'm my ideas tend to be a little bit more nebulous you know and so um and that's why my methods or my if i have one is to kind of always be writing to always be recording always be like working on stuff because i know it's going to take me a while to get to to where i want it things to be you know writing a novel i'm just finishing another novel now and it's it's like 
you know, it's very difficult to get to that point where you, you have the pages in front of you, but then you know you're not quite where you want to be in, in terms of the, the, what you want to say. Are you a guy who, um, are you a guy who will uh, write in droves, either with music or, or with your, uh, in, in, the case, in this case you're writing a novel, are you a guy who writes a lot and then scraps it all, starts again? Yeah, yeah, I do that a lot. Um, or, well, you know what, I don't scrap it all, I, I save everything. Um, because you never know. There's never any... When people ask, I mean, on the very, very few times people have asked me for writing advice on how to, you know, tackle a big project, I mean, they say that you just have to, you have to write a lot and there's no such thing as, as a waste of time if you're actually working in a purposeful way. And even with songwriting, I mean, I know some people, you know, like, uh, you know, guys I've worked with, like someone like Murray from The Deers, he's a guy who like, you know, he, he doesn't have a lot of like extra waste lying around he usually writes you know every generally every song he i mean he might uh take issue with this but it seems or so it seems that you know he's a guy who who doesn't have a lot of scraps lying around he writes songs um and and finishes he trusts them um he trusts yeah and 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 it's he has a method and it's like you know he he doesn't sit down and start tapping away at something until the the song has been in his head for a few days and or so he says i mean whether or not that's part of his fucking mystique or not i don't know <laughs> but um whereas i'm a kind of guy who like has eight bazillion half-finished files on my computer with stupid names and a million different you know things in different states of of finishing and has a you know a very insane uh, system of cataloging all these parts of things and, and, and then eventually whittling them down and bringing them together is, is part of it. Um, you know, and you hope that the, the final product doesn't show that because, you know, you want something to be a, a, a cohesive package before you give it to the public. But, um, you know, but we all find our own methods, you know, and, and that's kind of mine. You know, you're always, uh, working on it and fine-tuning it so yes i am a guy who barfs a lot out and then has to sort of sweep up my barf and turn it into uh i don't know (laughs) 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 that's getting the kind of disgusting metaphor i don't want to delve too much into barf but there's a lot of barfing going on a lot of a lot of uh symbolic barfing not not you have a, a song called uh barfed up candelabra which uh i do it's just a theme with you you think of of things as being that song's a bit it, it, it's sort of a bit like that that song is a bit of a sort of a, a, a vaguely conceived sort of inventory of a, a few years of my life that were just utter chaos and I was living like uh, you know just uh, staggering my way through my existence and, and luckily everything worked out but I was I was you know just sort of a uh, the barfed up candelabra just being a you know this disgusting mess that was pretending to be a uh, you know some sort of glamorous or uh, interesting external <laughs> sight that was in truth rather revolting so uh yeah that's that's that song was a bit of a bit of a heart wrencher for me but okay there it is no i mean hey but it's a rocker you know that's see there's the irony it's like you take the song that's the most uh meaningful to you and you make it the most uh goofy fun song so 
Yeah, that's a good way. That's sort of a, a way I think of dealing and coping with such things. Yeah, you want. I mean, uh, nothing's nothing more boring than to be one dimensional, you know. So uh, I like it when a uh, when a song can can do a lot of different things at once. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, I can I, I can I can appreciate that. Now you you are clearly balancing your music and your writing. You mentioned you're you're working on a, a novel, but let's let's talk about bankruptcy. Where did this yeah. band sort of come from? Let's get specific because exactly. I'm 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 losing I'm losing the plot here. So let's get. Specific. Well, come on, these aren't easy questions. You don't know where <laughs> I'm coming from. You, you're on your. T- I'm gonna keep you on your toes. I should have no, prepared. Yeah, exactly. You can't prepare. It's a conversation. It's just a normal. Human conversation that uh, has the weird, you know, you know <laughs> that the people are going to hear it. That's the only difference, really. And I know and, and, you know me, and I know you're going to you're going to see through my my charade if I. But I'm not. I'm not in this context. I don't. I'm. I'm. I am. I have a. I am also. You. We don't know each other. This is a thing. We both know someone's listening. So in mm-hmm. a weird way, we can't. The it's it's feigned intimacy. Like I think, yeah, <laughs> I think we are are ha- having a frank conversation here. But I think there's it's it's colored a little bit by the fact of the context, you know. So I'm not yeah. I'm not going to shoot holes through your ideas and answers. I think you're it's you, it's going well. I think I think it's I, going I, great. Before I'm this, learning be- things. Before you called me, I was I was the only thought I had was don't babble aimlessly, as I tend to do, <laughs> and I'm already doing that. But that's that's what a conversation is. That's yeah. what a conversation is. And don't worry about it. I mean, I these aren't they're big picture questions too. Like <laughs> I, I so when you say let's get specific, I think hopefully now the pressure's on. You got to do really well with this answer because I've asked you a very specific okay. easy. This is a, this is a fluffy. This is a fluff softball question. Tell me about your band bankruptcy. Where did it come from? Oh. Well, um where did it come from? <laughs> Well, um, a few years ago, well, the individuals in the band are myself, Rob, um, my old dear friend, Wayne McPherson. Do you know Wayne? You must know Wayne. Do you know Wayne? I know, I know of Wayne. I don't know if I know him personally. Oh yeah. I mean, you got to know of Wayne, but yeah. Um, Wayne is a longtime friend of mine and a guy that, uh, he is from out east as well. Um, and, and we've had many musical intersections over the years, uh, going so far back as even in the old E Thrush Hermit days, he used to go on tour with us and stuff. And, and he was kind of, he had, he had a band, a few bands out East, but he had a really great band called Teen Wolf that were way ahead of their time, unfortunately ahead of their time. Hmm. Um, and uh, so he and I have always, you know, rocked out together in a kind of leisurely fun way and we're good pals. And uh, we actually had a, a, briefly had a band together in Toronto years and years ago called Free School. Okay. And got so far as played a couple of shows and stuff, but it's, it sort of died out. Um, but anyway, so he's he's a, a, a dude so um, that I've always liked rocking out with, and we have similar taste, but not not he kind of keeps me in check because he's a little more, uh, I think, grounded than I am. Um, so Wayne and I, and and also uh, on drums is my pal Jeff Luciani, who also plays sometimes with the Deers. Okay. So that is a band that he and I were both in. So long long story short is I I wanted to start a new band that um would both be musically exciting um I I specifically wanted it to be something that would be fun to do live from years of of 
bleeps and bloops and laptop garbage and trying to get things off the ground and, and, and sort of getting more and more away from live performance, I, I really was like, I want to start a band that kicks ass live. And it's a rock and roll band um, in the in a sort of, not retro way, but in sort of, in a semi-traditional way, if you, sure, know, if you catch sure. the drift. That yeah. would be, you know, people in a room working on songs. We go, we make records, but we also go out and play. Um, and so the three of us, so Luch is a great drummer and Wayne, my dear friend, I recruited them. I had a zillion songs and I sort of sifted through a, a million of them and, and came up with a dozen or so. And I said, okay, guys, this is going to be our record. Let's learn these songs. Let's do it quickly. We learned a bunch of songs, went into studio, did most of it ourselves at home, super scrappy, zero budget. Um, and, uh, and then, uh, have since, uh, we recruited, uh, a guy named Mike Small. Do you know Mike? Who sure. for years was in the uh, band called the Mellow Grove Band. Absolutely. He's and, a good uh, man, a that dude, Mike Small. Yeah, a great band. Um, and uh, a dude I sort of knew around town. Um, and then uh, as we needed a fourth dude. Um, briefly, we also had a guy uh, named Ali, Alareza Motamid, but he had to sort of step aside just due to his own schedules. Oh, okay. Um, oh, so Mike, Mike, so is, Mike is actually in the band. Mike has very recently joined the band and and is working out great. And he's a guy I knew, but I never really played music. I had never played music with, and I didn't know that well. And and I invited him to join, and he graciously accepted. And and he doesn't play on the record, but he's been playing with us live. And and he's on out great. He's so, on bass. He's playing bass. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, the intention with it was really to um, make something that was, uh, you know. Uh, We've we've sort of gone through the the stage, you know. We just wanted to sort of have something be very true and and simple. And I really just missed that experience of human beings rocking out in a room together. You know, no sequencing, no fucking click tracks, Mm -hmm, no mm -hmm. you know none of that garbage, and just sort of make it ever so slightly uh, heavy and. and yeah, with with a very little conceptual basis other than let's just make a rock band. And uh, it's sort of my baby, but um, it's gradually becoming more and more of a kind of democratic operation. And so that's what I, that's what I'm liking. So it's probably the, I mean it's the most fun I've been I've had playing music in a while. And I think you know I think it's contagious, and I think uh, people will see sense the joy, you know. <laughs> and and we made the record, and and I didn't even think of any kind of conceptual uh, fabric tying it all together, but it sort of came together in, in, a, in a very um, in, a, in a very unexpected way that there's this profound optimistic uh, feeling in, 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 in a lot of the songs, not all the songs, but uh, there's, there are themes that, that bring it together. Yeah, so. like on, on the bands, on the bankruptcy band camp page, for a bio, mm-hmm. you've listed relevant key terms, both sonic and thematic, and the thematic ones in particular uh, caught my attention, yeah. and, and they are as follows. Anxiety, addiction, malaise, fortitude, togetherness, optimism. And they're kind of, those three things, those three ideas are, are kind of counterbalanced, I suppose. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's kind of getting through the tough stuff to get to what's what's more important and and you know to me music music serves many roles and purposes in our lives but uh there's this togetherness is an important thing and the sort of communality of people playing music together is something that gets easily lost um and um 
trying to remember, I, I, I think of bankruptcy now as being kind of the stage that a band of like 17 year old kids would be having in their garage doing their first things. I mean, we, we, we it really feels like the, that sort of feeling of a bunch of idiots just figuring out what they're doing in a room together with loud instruments. The, the difference being that we're, you know, 40 year old men. Um, but uh, getting back to that sort of sort of gleeful exuberance that, you know, I mean, like we don't have to delve into this stuff, but I mean, you know, I've, I've had my experiences with the music business mm-hmm, and all mm-hmm. that shit. And, and, you know, it, it, there are levels at which with you have to reckon with that sort of thing, but you can also just sidestep it and just say, we're a band because this is what we're doing. You know, we, we're thinking about the music. We're thinking about uh, the nuts and bolts of it. And it's, it's easy to get concerned with professionalism and get concerned with, um, you know, these sort of large scale concerns. And, and I just was like, I'm, I, I don't care about any isn't, of those things. I just want to rock, rock yeah, out. Yeah. And time. isn't most of that music industry pressure and, and bitterness that you kind of allude to in some ways, isn't most of that simply about getting people to hear your music? Yeah. I mean, all that stuff only matters as much as you, your as one allows it to, you know I mean? It's easy to take that stuff very seriously, but it's really not that important. And, a lot of those things are just mechanisms by which, you know, you're just, you, they're just obstacles to doing what's really important, which is playing music. So, and, and having fun and having fun. I mean, and fun in a loosely con- conceived way. I'm not trying to portray like <laughs> bankruptcy that we're, you know, we're like Blink-182 or something like it's, it's serious music done in a serious way. But I think there's, um, you know, exuberance to it. And, and that's what I say about, you know, fortitude and optimism. I mean, those, those are ideas that, you know, power you, you know, and, and my favorite bands or some of my favorite bands, um, you know, you can feel that propulsive energy. If you think of a band like the clash who are one of my models for what a band should be they're like, even when they're kind of corny, there's that deep energy of just like, you know, they used to say the clash, you know, they used to call themselves, we're the only band that matters. And I always thought that was a pretty badass thing to say about your own band. <laughs> um, so now bankruptcy right, is the only band that matters. Um, right. There's a little bit of cockiness that I think uh, is within you that I maybe stems from sentiments like that one. I mean, well, the, the, and, it, the, and it, the, it begs the question, you know, like, what, what, what do you mean by matters? You know, like, how does a band matter in this? day when you know ever ever, more than ever music is just sort of a lifestyle accessory to us or you know it's you know most bands are more concerned about their their apps than their their tunes you know but uh that's fine well i mean you you mentioned you mentioned uh the kind of classic elements of being in a band that appeal to you uh you mentioned traditionalism on some level you mentioned the notion of kids in a garage uh, finding their feet with music, and yet, I mean, and, and that's all there. I can hear all of that in in the sound. It's a loud sound. It's a scrappy sound on some level, but it's also very. Uh, there's a lot of finesse within it, and there's a lot of contemporary flourishes. I think there's a lot of synthesized. You mentioned yeah. bleeps and bloops and being sick of laptops, but you you have <laughs> I think in since leaving Thrushermit in particular, you for one have really embraced electronic sounds, synthesized sounds, uh, whether yeah. they're beats or whatever. 
and, and, and I mean that probably comes from all sorts of places but can you yeah. home in on that where where did you because when Thrush Hermit left us they left with the most classic of classic rock records Clayton Park <laughs> yes right and then you For all sure. kind of went and did your own thing and Joel kind of went down a similar Joel Plaskett uh, your bandmate your friend he went down kind of a road not too far away from Clayton Park, not the place, the album. Whereas <laughs> well, you, well, he's lived that far either, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you did start to, in turning inward a little bit and mm-hmm. making a name for yourself. I think the tools at your disposal to do that were laptop kind of technology, so to speak, right. like synthesized sounds. It, was yeah. it just a matter of convenience, or was there something about it aesthetically that appealed to you? Uh, I think, I mean, I've always, I mean, I guess anyone listening to this probably knows of stuff that I've done, probably knows Thrushman the best, I guess. But, um, you know, I, I, when I was in my earliest days wanting to make music, I was just as much influenced by non-guitar music, you know, like electronic music or rap and dance music and stuff, you know, like, as as all of us are. I mean, like... You yeah, just you listen know, to the album... Yeah, I mean, my aspirations were never limited to one specific thing. It was just, it was, but when I was a teenager, that was certainly the focus. I mean, I loved classic rock. I loved punk rock. I loved, you know, mainstream rock music too. So, um, and that's, it was just sort of easier to do, I think, at that time. But I always mm-hmm. wanted to to dabble with um, with gear and, and sounds and things. So, as, as anyone would, I'm not trying to say like I was, you know, ahead of my time or anything like that but um no 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 but you you're a you are probably i'm a i'm a fan of the clash you yeah. mentioned you mentioned them you're probably yeah. a big fan of the triple record sandinista aren't you that is my favorite clash album i love it i say yeah. the same thing to my friends and they're like what are you nuts like yeah. london calling or whatever and i'm like I no San- i think sandinista this- is the best one I think so. I, I'm, yeah, I mean, it's certainly the most uh, challenging and sometimes exasperating one. But uh, uh, it's it's. I just love. I mean, that stretch that you know those two records in such a limited time just shows such a you know adventurousness. And and I know I'm just rehashing cliches that you could hear in like Rolling Stone magazine or something. But like <laughs> you know that that's that's an exci- that's an exciting model for a band. You know t- that you're just a band that's. Uh, that motivated to to work on sounds that you know they they had to do a double record and a triple record. I mean, uh, one could argue that uh, you know some judicious editing was needed, but I mean that was that was the kind of record they wanted to do. They wanted to do a, a sort of state of the world, um, both lyrically and you know like uh, generically in that that it's you know it's disco and there's you know rap and tons of dub and you know that was that's a great record in in terms of just like holy moly here's what a band could be um and yeah so like i always wanted to do that i mean my favorite bands when i was a kid were like both you know husker du and public enemy and and uh, that's like most people i knew i mean r- yeah. r- rare yeah. would it be for someone to say oh i only listen to you know the the a side of a black fly record and that's it you know and um everybody wants to everybody has Everybody I know has has pretty uh, you know wide ranging esoteric taste, so I don't want to say like I'm uh, different in that way. But yeah, so like and around the time that uh, the Hermit broke up, I was getting a little, I was a little burnt out on kind of classic rock. I mean, we had we had sort of gone down kind of like this sort of Steve Millery 
you know, summer rock kind of thing, a little bit tongue in cheek. And then next thing you know, we were actually that band, you know, <laughs> we were kind of doing it <laughs> for real, which was fun. And it was fun. And also you have to think at the time, I mean, that's sort of the end of the nineties, early around 2000, where everything, you know, the climate was like, was like, you know, re- gloomy electronic music or, you know, uh, you know, uh, Radiohead or very, very self serious music. And we were like, no, we're just, we, we're going to be, a. uh, you know, a classic rock band. We didn't really want to be a throwback retro band, but we wanted to capture that spirit of, you know, rock and roll. Um, and I love rock and roll and I loved rock and roll. But yeah, I was sort of when that was done, I was like, I kind of just want to make weird cut cut and pasty type music in my bedroom um, by myself. And, and you know, at the, at the time, this sort of technology, both in how you can make music and how you could distribute it was just starting to make a shift. You know, I got mm-hmm. my first little... Pro Tools set up, and it was just, you know, just at the dawn of when the internet was was sort of facilitating, just you could upload tunes right from your home, and people would hear them, and that was really exciting, so uh, I was just into making, you know, weird lo-fi type things, and, and that's sort of the, the, the Tigre Benvy thing came from, just kind of not having anyone else editing me, and or, you know, I could just kind of let her rip and, and goof off, and if things were a little... little shitty then they could be intentionally shitty and and which i still like um did you guys in but, uh, when you were in thresh hermit did you i mean obviously yeah. you, you came up with the songs together uh, for those who followed the band uh you would know that joel and ian and and you rob had would each write songs and presumably bring bring them to the others and 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 then how much sort of collective editing was going on um would it, would it depend on the songwriter would did anyone come in and say well this is it this is what i want to do and it doesn't matter what anyone else says or was it all pretty collective uh it was generally pretty collective um you know one of the reasons the the band broke up was because we just kind of weren't really sure what our next move was we kind of got to a point where we you know uh we're a fully functioning full-time band. Our, our drummer Cliff left, and, and we got a, a, a new guy Ben on drums. But um, that sort of shook the the sort of balance in the creative energy in the band a little bit. And uh, not to downplay Ben's abilities as a drummer or his his great you know his great musicianship, but uh, the thing that we had built over the previous years kind of took a turn and we sort of hit a moment where we weren't really sure what our next move was. We, we started working on music for another record after that. And, um, and then, you know, talked about, you know, going to, went to New York and met with like, like a producer dude or sort of a song doctory type guy. And I, I was repulsed by the whole thing. And hmm. I, you know, we just didn't really know what our next move was going to be. And everybody was, you know, sort of going down different paths and, and, and it was, it was clear. And again, I don't, I don't want to make this sound. Uh, I mean, this was a long time ago. This, this is what? 17 years nine, ago. 99. Yeah. 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 It was a while yeah. ago. So maybe my recollection of it is, is tainted by time, but um, you know, we were just all had different sort of agendas and it was, it was kind of becoming evident that, that Joel was ready to, you know, come into his own. And that sort of left, Ian and me, but more so me, because I was the other songwriter in the band. Um, you know, well, then what's my role? Um, if if Joel's going to be the the front guy, then what am I going to do? And and as a result, I didn't handle it very well. I, you know, I I just was like, well, then you know, I'm just going to 
fuck off. And and it just it just it, it reached a point where it was over, you know, yeah, like, sure. and we, we part, we, we, we were able to recognize it before things got ugly, which was nice. And so I'm glad we didn't make another record because it probably the last one we made it went well and it was really fun making that album and, and people, you know, it's, it, it has lasted beyond its, its time in a way that is, you know, most albums don't get to do. People still talk about it. People still you know, all the time mention it to me. So that's, is that, is that your you know, favorite, a, a wonderful, is your thing. favorite record? Clean Park? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. I think it's the best. I mean, it was a little weird because, because, um, you know, up until then it had been, it had been sort of an even split between me and Joel and then Ian would always write a, a couple things for, a, we had done one album and then a bunch of EPs and singles and it was all sort of not self-consciously so, but it usually ended up being kind of even. And then Clayton Park, um, I don't even remember exactly why this worked out, but I I didn't write and have not as many of my songs ended up on the record and and even a couple of songs that I had written for it that you know we tried them a few different ways and I ended up not singing my own songs and I I was very self conscious about myself as a singer um, and I'm not you know I'm not a, a a slick vocalist by any means and I and I admit it I I know it and I admit it um, and you know we had come off being on a major label before that yeah. album and. And clearly, our A and R guy thought I was, you know, dead weight, and it was frustrating, like, for me to be told so often, like, you know, oh, you're a talented guy, you're just a shitty singer, like, over and over and over, and I was just like, yeah, God, and so, again, this Tigger Bemby thing was so, you know, part of the emancipation was was a, of it was. Or is to me just say I don't care, you know. Like I'm, a, I'm, I'm compelled to sing my own songs, and I don't care if I'm not, you know, Freddie Mercury. Um, <laughs> I didn't realize so many people. I didn't know that was. A- wow! Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The thing, people, may, people criticize your singing. I did not know that. Uh, it's been kind of, well, I'm not trying to do no, See, now we're getting to the, now we're getting to specifics, but, uh, <laughs> no, it's been sort of an issue for me as a musician for my whole life. I mean, I'm not a, a an amazing singer, but, uh, like, uh, you know, a little pitchy, but, uh, well, you're a dis- I, I, but you're a very distinctive I do, singer, I'd say. Uh, sure. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's not for everyone's taste, but, uh, uh who's I, it? I, I mean, people, I, I, when I worked at, uh, CBC Radio Three, where Joel is Plaskett's very popular. There was still there was a whole wave of people that just talked about how much they couldn't handle his singing, which I, I think he's a his very, singing. Yeah, and I think he's a really gifted. Huh. You know, he sings. Oh yeah, he sings yeah, high. He's, he's just got. He knows what he's doing with that thing. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> so I think it's just your band. No one likes the singing in your in Freshman. <laughs> That's what it is. I take it. I uh, yeah. I'm, I I take it as a sort of somewhat of a badge of honor if 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 my singing voice you know ex- exasperates people. I don't want to sound like some boring ass beige guy on the radio. You know, sure. I, I like to. My favorite singers again, you know, like some like Joe Strummer or you know my, you know, some of my favorite singers were were you know, not the most polished vocalists. So, um, well, that that I, it's I don't mind it's it, quite. But it's, but it's hard to it's hard, yeah. you know. Anyway, so I had a bit of a complex about that, but uh, you know, I'm good. I'm I'm over it now. Okay, well, that's it's all interesting to hear. I hadn't heard this, and and I do want to uh, go back to something you you mentioned uh, about the band heading in this summery Steve Millery thing because uh, <laughs> I don't know if you're, well, you I don't know if we've talked about this before, but I was actually at your Edgefest performance oh, where classic. where Thrush Hermit. So this is summer of 1995. Sloan curates uh, this this local Toronto radio station uh, that called themselves the Edge uh, had this festival. I guess it maybe still happens. I don't know. Anyway, it was at the Molson Canadian Amphitheater and Sloan curated the whole day. It was fantastic, fantastic day. And you guys, this was kind of like a Sloan kind of had all these. They had this label. They have this label, Murder Records, and a lot of what Sloan seemed to be about, which I found uh, appealing as a as a young person, as a teenager, was uh, community stuff. Like they always brought uh, more attention yeah. to younger bands uh, than than themselves and bands from their oh, yeah. neck of the woods. So anyway, you guys have this really plum spot, uh, I think, uh, <laughs> to to show off the hermit and. You guys decide to play what five, five or six Steve Miller band songs. No, it was amazing. Yeah. I loved it. I, I, yeah. I was. I didn't understand when you did the first song. It seemed like okay, this is that's amusing, and then that the whole set. That's a lot of guts. <laughs> that's a lot of guts. Uh, uh, well, yeah. Um, it was. It was. I mean. My favorite memories of Thrush Hermit were always uh, our sort of more, uh, you know, bratty moments. Um, there was also a very similar moment. <laughs> we uh, we played on much music in the studio. Mm-hmm. We were, uh, uh, I think it was, I guess it was behind our Sweet Home Record album. We, you know, in the days when much music would still have. Band set up and, and play in the studio, and, and you did you did oh man you did oh man what to do didn't you? Uh, there there was that one. We did another one where we we that we played a Nazareth song. Oh, sorry, yeah, uh, I'm thinking and, of Clayton Park. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think before then, and uh, we 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 just they were like, "What song are you gonna do?" And and what's the name of the song? <laughs> You know, it's, oh, it's called Rasmanaz, and they're oh, fine. And so <laughs> we did. Uh, I guess that was a thing that we did. It's just like okay, we have these big moments to uh, to break through, and let's intentionally try to sabotage it. I mean, I'm, I'm. There's moments. Well, I, I, I we were I, I, like, yeah. yeah, there was things we were offered, especially when we were signed to a major label. We were signed. We were, had offers to like you know get on soundtracks and things and we'd always turn them down it's like oh that's stupid and then do other things that were i don't know i it didn't see in retrospect i don't know what if there's any rhyme or reason to it but um you know we didn't we never we never liked that sort of uh you know professionalism that that 
careerist attitude that a lot of bands had you know we just wanted we were in it because we wanted to crack each other up um and the steve miller thing was an example of that where we were just like we're gonna go out and play this festival we're just gonna be one of a dozen bands they're just gonna steamroll everyone and you know no one's gonna maybe people might not even remember us how can we stand out and at the time we were just listening to steve miller's greatest hits in our van a lot on tour and we were like man we should just do all these songs um <laughs> I, I i can't really remember there was a deeper significance to past that but uh, it was um yeah i guess it was just we thought it would be funny for, well, for ourselves it, and, so uh, early earlier in this conversation you were talking about the relationship between sincerity and irony and how people receive those mm-hmm. signals i guess your mm-hmm. band thresherman had a really interesting relationship with detachment irony detached irony i guess like it, it was there was, mm-hmm. You know, you guys would travel around with the rock and roll sign, the Steve Miller thing, the Nazareth. There was just this sense of, even like when I think back on the video for uh, your song, uh, Patriot, which is yeah. k- kind of really uh, sh- like purposefully schlocky uh, kind of video editing kind of thing happening. There yeah. was just, it didn't seem like self-sabotage. It seemed very self-aware of how ludicrous everything was and is. Right. And, yeah, that just seemed to be a, a big part of the... And, and you said, which I found striking, like, summary and Steve Millery sort of uh, allusions that you would kind of put forth into the world jokingly, and then you became that uh, by the end, <laughs> which <laughs> I, d- I don't know. Yeah, like, that's a weird... That's so, sort of weird. You it, did that? Does that suggest that as Thresh Hermit, uh, you know kept going and as you've kept going in your trajectory as a solo artist and and with bankruptcy and whatever else you've just gotten more and more sincere is that what's happening (laughs) uh that's uh, that's an interesting question uh you know i mean that is a great question i i I don't know if, if it's more or less i don't think there's a straightforward trajectory i mean i know i'm really envious of there are people there are artists I know, especially musicians I know, who have a real thing, and they do their thing, and, and it was, you know, potentially, uh, they came to it maybe early on, and their their craft and their work is to hone it and make it better with each album, each song, each performance, um, in, a, in a very uh, methodical way, and, and thus improve at what they do. And I think I've been... One of the reasons I am not necessarily a huge successful musician, um, among many reasons, but uh, one of the reasons I think is because I am a bit of a dabbler mm-hmm. um, and and kind of restless. And so, you know, if you ask me how I feel about, you know, my old band or, or anything like that, you know, my answer is really different depending on which day of the week you ask me. Um, and, uh, you know, one could say that's inconsistency. One could say that's... Uh, a lack of uh, conviction. I don't know what it is, but musically, my interests and and kind of as a writer too. Uh, you know, I have always been um, pretty shifting and pretty pretty diverse um, within a within a sort of specific realm. It's like I'm not like I'm you know writing uh, you know symphonies. Uh, I'm, it's all sort of in the in the zone of r- r- pop music um but, some but, degree. but, but um, is that because you're sort of a generalist or is it because you're restless within what you're doing i think it's i'm indecisive and and because i'm in i think it's 
you know, I, I get excited about ideas. Um, I get excited about pursuing ideas, and and I like um, I like having a wide scope. So when you ask the question, is it do things become more sincere over time? I think it really depends on on you'd have to look at things in, in a large scale to decide that. I mean, if look at the you know heaps of musical projects I've had over the, over the last couple of decades, it, it meanders a lot, and in some moments are very heartfelt and, yeah. and sincere and others are a little more goofy, you know, um, and doesn't necessarily mean that something that's goofy isn't as heartfelt, you know, like we're talking about a couple of songs on the bankruptcy record that are kind of funny, I guess, ish, or, you know, have a, have a, have a sort of, uh, you know, a cheeky vibe, but, um, but there's always truth there, you know, or at least an attempt at achieving some kind of truth sure, there. So, yeah. Um, yeah. and 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 I, you know, like I, I'm not into adopting styles just to to mock things or just to you know to to get attention or to to advance my profile or something. I I, I don't really care about you know uh, commercial interests all that much, you know. So. Uh, if if there is a sense of sort of dabbling, it's only just out of restlessness and and uh, interest and energy, not out of and maybe in a, a lack of commitment sometimes. But uh, uh, it's not insincere. No. So in a lot, let's summarize in saying it's all sincere. <laughs> more is it getting more sincere? I'm going to go with yes. Sure, yes, more sincere. I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence that you. Probably not a, a coincidence, anyway. Maybe I'm wrong. That as you got mm-hmm. older, maybe you got more sincere. Uh, as you became, so to speak, more. I don't. This is the kiss of death. But as you got more mature, <laughs> you started to take yeah. things a little more seriously and embrace. You know, on one on one hand, you're kind yeah. of mock. You're kind of mock rocking your way through a Steve Miller band set. But as you like three, four years down the road, five years down the road you're embracing it because mm-hmm. you recognize him as a person and not just this jokey entity. I'm not, and, and by the way, I've never thought of Clayton Park as any sort of connection to Steve Miller, but I, I, no, I see what I, you're saying in terms of to... like a classic rock sound. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm only saying that uh, trying to uh, reinsert myself into the mindset that I had at the time, you know? Yeah, like, sure. At, at the time, maybe I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm jamming to some Aphex twin. And I don't want us to go out and play, you know, some goofy rock and roll song. I mean, just it, at the time, it sort of felt old fashioned. But uh, I, I still love a lot of that music, and you know, it's I, I stand behind it, and I'm proud of it. I um, I, I have a note here about the, uh, a song from the new bankruptcy record. The note is okay. that the song is "Swim for the Light." Yeah. And the note is sounds like Sunday Bloody Sunday. <laughs> awesome! I never thought of that, but I think they're both. If memory serves, I believe they're I, um, Sunday Bloody Sunday. Sunday is in B minor, as is our song, <laughs> and it has a repetitive, almost military-like snare drum uh-huh. pattern. So, um, I I love you too, uh, or you know certain eras of you too. Sure. Um, and I would take that as as sort of a compliment. I mean, they go into a zone of like p- past sincerity into something kind of you know. Uh, I don't know what, what what beyond beyond sincerity to sort of uh, modeling or something. I don't know what you call it, but um, that's a very postmodern outfit that you two 
No one knows what to do with them. No one knows. What, they don't even know what to do with themselves anymore. I mean, they're sure. like, they're, I, I, you know, I wouldn't be the, I wouldn't have anything interesting to say about YouTube <laughs> that hasn't said a million times so before. You're, but my, my, but my I, point here is you hadn't, like, honestly, I thought, I just, I heard Swim for the Light. I'm like, this seems like a deliberate, you know, everything oh, seems kind of, everything about it seemed like the distinctive parts of that U2 song, Sunday Bloody Sunday, kind of inverted, mm-hmm. slightly inverted, like slightly off, yeah. kind of in the realm. I, I admire U2 a lot in those old records for how brazenly political they are and, and how, uh, how it was, you know, almost it felt necessary and urgent and it felt like they're they're speaking about their their own culture and and uh, in Ireland and and really going for yeah, it in a sure. way that is hard to do um and few bands do now i i often attempt to write politically minded songs and some of the songs on that bankruptcy record are you know very very uh you know vaguely down that line, but I mean, they're, they're not necessarily addressing political issues like head on in the way that Bono does. And I, you know, people would mock him for that now, I guess. I think it's badass. I, I think that I wish more bands did that sort of thing now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I just would only be able to do it myself in a way that felt sincere and, and personal. And, uh, and, and so far it's, it, it never really works when I try to do it. Uh, it, or or it morphs into something much more vague, um, so uh, I would I would take equating that with Sunday Bloody Sunday is a total compliment. I think it's a wicked song. Okay, all right. I just wasn't sure. I this is just what I heard. Maybe people will hear it and they can figure it out for themselves. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you had mentioned that you had kind of uh, made the call. In some respects, you made the call of like I'm leaving Thrush Hermit. Uh, essentially, if this is the way it's going to go down, and I don't know if that was the 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 nail in the coffin, so to speak. But my understanding is you also made the call for the band to reunite a few years ago. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I would. I guess it was me that. I mean, I I quit the band, and then, but I was like, you know, if you guys want to keep going, like I'll hold you back. And we had sort of made a shift. Things were things were shifting in a way that it was clear that you know we were going to wrap it up. It, it seemed pretty obvious, and just need one of us to kind of. Or or it was going to change in a dramatic way. It wasn't. It was going to be a different band. So I did quit. And you know, I mean, if we, it, you and I were having a conversation, I mean, you know, those. Th- it was a. It was a very pivotal moment for me. Um, being in Thrush Hermit was like we started when I was like, or we were, you know, in our teens, and then ended. I think I was like, yeah, I was in my mid twenties, like twenty five, I think. And you know, that's a pretty pivotal, uh, meaningful, profound chunk of your your life. And, and, um, I, you know, there was resentments that I had about the whole thing. Um, and, uh, you know, I I like to think they're, they're all gone. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I was an angry young man, um, angry at a lot of things, angry at not, not necessarily having to do with that band at all, but lots of things about, uh, many things in the world and, and had a lot of frustration and, and a lot of sort of self-directed, uh, loathing um, that I wasn't, or you know, I've had to reckon with, um, and uh, didn't necessarily channel it in in productive, constructive ways, or healthy ways. Mm. Um, uh, but when yeah, we did that reunion in two thousand nine, and it was partly 
it, it was my idea. Um, things had come up over a few times over the years to do something, and um, a couple times it was sort of under the under the umbrella of of uh, Joel solo stuff, and and you know, obviously I'm me being a dink. I was just like, no, it's got to be its own thing, and. Um, the time sorry, to come. And there, there was never any. What, what, there wasn't any. Sorry, never, can you? Whoops. Can you? Rob, sorry, Rob. Can you explain that? Uh, what do you mean? But it was going to be under Joel's. Oh, solo? I mean, I, I could be getting my facts all wrong, but I remember there was one point where Joel was doing a stint in Toronto, and he was like doing a few nights at a sh- of a sh- of at the at a bar in Toronto. Horseshoe. Maybe. Yeah, I guess that was it. And and he was like, oh, one of these nights, let's do a Thrushermit set. And I was like, no, you know, I don't want to do it. And um. Oh, I see. Okay. You know, and and or just things like that. You know, and it would have been sort of. But the, the truth of the matter is, and so there's me saying like, ah, I don't, you know, resenting Joel's success after our band broke up. But but you know, but then I was also the first person to eat eat up the attention that our reunion got largely due to Joel's work after that. So um, I'm just <laughs> a, a cock in all regards. But. Uh, it was it was sort of my idea, but I mean, it, it had been talked about over the years. But I think I think I had made myself the one resistant to do it. I think I had I because I'm a, a man of shaky principles and a very fragile ego. I was like, no, nah, you know, and resistant to do it. But then you know, the time came where I was, you know, enough time had passed, and it had been about roughly ten years. So uh, we said, what if what if we did a reunion thing, and um, and the response was quick and and positive so yeah so we did that little tour which you know like seems like it wasn't that long ago but it was like man that was like what seven years ago so yeah i didn't realize it was that long ago it yeah. was yeah, yeah it doesn't feel like it was that long ago but uh you know so and it was amazing it was great and and it was kind of a nice uh you know we we had we played i i felt our playing together was was better than it had ever been and and it was all good times and we sort of designed it to be short and sweet so the sort of fatigue wouldn't set in uh, that inevitably happens. Um, and the whole thing pretty f- felt pretty fresh and yeah, it was great. It was awesome. And I mean, but we had all, you know, remained friends and, and certainly Ian and I had, had made lots of music together in the interim. So it wasn't like we had, had not seen each other at all. Um, and Joel and Ian had made records together and, you know, lots of stuff. So it was more just the four of us come together, you know, yeah, it was awesome. It was great. And, and it kind of, you know, it, was, it felt, it's nice to, uh, know that the music you made has a life beyond its its span you know so many you know there's a lot of bands out there a lot of records you mm-hmm, know a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of people kicking it that can and it's very rare that anything goes beyond just you know barfing out some tunes and then they're they evaporate into the waste bin of history you know so uh it's nice that that little you know that that our output as thrush hermit has has lasted a bit and you know a lot of that is of course due to, that joel has a great uh career since then and and so people uh go back and hear what he did before then and and you know that's obviously a big part of it um and that's awesome and i mean he's you know i was just out in halifax a couple of weeks ago and i hadn't seen joel in a while and it was you know we just hung out in his record store and it was just like the old days except you know you know, we all have cell phones now, but that's the only thing that's different. Really. <laughs> yeah, you Instagrammed a photo of Cliff and Joel together, right? Yeah, Cliff and Joel and I had a little hang down. It was fun. Okay. And, you know, we sort of tried to think about a way we could, like, make some music together that would be, uh, you know, low pressure. But, uh, you know, it's, it just gets harder as you get older. There's, everyone has more obligations and more 
restrictions on their time. As you know, as a father, like I'm not a yeah. father, but yeah, um, it <clears throat> just you know, it gets harder and harder to find the time to to, to rock out as you get older. So, uh, so does this stand to reason? You had some kind of conversation. Uh, in some ways, does it stand to reason that uh, some kind of configuration or reunion could happen again with Threshold? Yeah, uh, uh, maybe. I don't know. I mean, there is. I think. Um, I think that record Clayton Park is gonna at some point come out on in vi- on a vinyl reissue. Um, oh, great, and, good. And so you never know. Something might happen around that. I mean, nothing's been talked about. Um, I think Joel be... Joel was on this show. God, three years ago or something, and we talked about yeah. it then. And yeah. there's a real clamoring <laughs> for that to happen. It's been talked, yeah. Well, it would be his baby. I mean, he was like, can I do it? And we were like, yeah, sure, go. And then none of us did anything about it. So um, it's also like <laughs> that was in an era where everything was very analog. Um, so finding, you know, like finding the artwork, the artwork has disappeared into, you know, <clears throat> has evaporated into the mist, so we'd have to. Sort yeah. of, you know, the practical considerations of it are are many, but uh, yeah, there's could potentially be something there. I mean, when we did that tour, that reunion tour, we put out a little box set that was like everything. Yeah, it's and amazing. So there, are, there's nothing left to be discovered. I don't think like that was <laughs> like Joel and I sat down in his house and basically said, let's just put out every single thing we did. And uh, I think we found maybe like a couple songs that didn't end up on that box set, but that was a real like, you know, huge uh, uh, outpouring of just let's just do the whole thing. So if anybody wants to find our music, it's very easily found and very easily attainable. So right. Um, but yeah, but didn't, that record never came out on vinyl. So uh, I think that is a thing. But uh, beyond that, yeah, that's yeah. You know, it would be extremely easy for us to get together and play a set. Like it would be like you know we could sleepwalk through it so <laughs> not that we would though we would give it 110 percent at all times well i i happened to weirdly of uh for me anyway i missed the reu- reunion shows uh because i think oh, i was man. i was traveling well, now we have to do it well you have to you. i really need you to do it i need to see one uh i was lucky to see the band a bunch uh back in the day at like the first time i saw you was at the uh, thresh hermit anyway it was at the volcano in kitchener on like a Tuesday night or something. It was like a new music Tuesday or something there. I don't know if you remember no. that club, but uh, I don't think you ever no. played there again. Anyway, yeah, I saw that band a I lot. I don't remember anything. <laughs> I don't remember anything before like 98. It's all, it's all a haze. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Now uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's look to the no. future of uh, your current pursuits. Are there, <laughs> are there bankruptcy plans uh, that you can share with us beyond the – Adelaide Hall show I'm going to talk about in a, a few moments, uh, and also you mentioned that you're working on a, another novel. Uh, can you talk? Yeah. About, can you talk about those things? Uh, I, I'm always reluctant to talk about things that are not, well in terms of writing stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm I am working on a book that's getting close to uh, getting close to the point where it starts to go beyond my own. Uh, you know, mind and, and be shared with people, but that's a real process. And, and, um, I don't really know what, no, that's fine. We'll land up. So, um, yeah, but I'm excited about it and, and it's, um, it's weird and wily and, and covers a lot of ground. So I'm pretty excited about it and it's going really well. So there's that. And yeah, and I'm, you know, we'll have a few sort of film and TV things that are floating around in various stages of 
reality and fantasy. Um, is this scoring work or screenwriting? Uh, screenwriting stuff. Oh, cool. And when I say reality and fantasy, I don't mean reality TV and fantasy <laughs> TV. I mean my own reality and my own fantasy. Um, Have you? Well, none of it's fantasy, and yet none of it's quite reality either. It's all very, you know. Uh, it's it's gossamer. Have have but, you have um, you done some? It's coming. Have again. you done some screenwriting for for things we might know? Not really. I mean, I've done a bunch, but uh, and and made a few forays and in, in getting stuff made. But uh, you know, it's a tough racket. Mm-hmm. So, and I've always sort of appro- getting back to the uh, the previous topic of my uh, dabbling dilettantism. Uh, it's something that I've I've pursued uh, in kind of a. Uh, Lightweight, but never with a lot of gusto. Um, but uh, there, there are some things in the works that I wish I could talk about um, that are potentially exciting. With you know maybe maybe p- names people would might know, but I, I I wish I could talk about them. But I really no, can't, sure so, that's fine. Or or shouldn't it would be it would be unwise and it would be foolhardy and it would be for me to invite doom to even uh, tempt the fates by talking about them publicly. But um, there's lots of stuff going on. But bankruptcy, yeah, right. At this very moment, I'm pretty f- focused on that. I, I mean, again, I mean, this record, I very consciously uh, self-released it. Um, I didn't even really pursue any other angle. Again, sort of trying to get back to that, you know, 18-year-old dudes making their first tape, selling it to their friends kind of vibe, you know. And uh, I like that it's kind of homemade and, and handcrafted. But then as soon as it came out, all I could think about was you know, oh, I should have gotten a label <laughs> like that. I should have, uh, you know, maybe gotten a little more pro. So, uh, but right that's now it's, all it's perception stuff, isn't it? Like that's just, it's all perception. Yeah. It's all perception. And it's meaningless. It's a great, it's, all meaningless. it's a great, um, great record. It's, it's such a great record. And I hope people, it's oh, just, it, it is frustrating when you pour your heart and, and all your energy into something. And it's, uh, well, I don't, I don't mean to feel any sort of in- entitlement like that, uh, that oh you know the the world is is not uh, doing me justice. I mean I know we both know I'm sure many artists who feel the world owes them something for their labors. You know it's like and in the end no one gives a shit about how hard you work on something. It's all about whether it you know stands out to them and it connects to them. And and um, I I I I don't feel that uh, you know just just because you make a great record doesn't mean uh, you deserve great rewards or anything like that. Yeah, so it's true. Uh, and then that, of course, uh, assumes that I've made a great record. I'm already agreeing with your assessment. <laughs> um, that's how much of a blowhard. Well, no, I am. it's just but, that uh, you you put your you, you you like you said you had a had it in mind. I'm just going to do this myself, and you do it yourself, and then the release maybe doesn't reach as many ears as it would have if a label or a publicist was pumping it out there. But at the same time. We're inundated by those people too. Like I don't even know how you win, oh, how yeah. you win anymore. I think it's just if it picks up steam on its yeah. own, that's your best bet. Yeah, the 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 glimpses I get into that stuff, I mean through through the, you know, m- having my own sort of micro label of how to sort of get it. To, I mean, it's so it's, it's so there's such a glut these days. I mean, there's always been too much music and too many crappy bands, but these days it's you know, it's it, it's a real there's uh, it's pretty congested, and and you know, on, on one hand, I'm really uh, a proponent of the sort of democratization of the biz, in that you know, it's not run by 
uh, stuffed shirts at major labels. And like back in the nineties, you know, there was, you know, there was the major label world and there was the indie world and, and it was very, uh, uh, you know, segregated in some ways. And, and it's nice to see that that's vanished in some ways and, and that it's so much easier for people to just, you know, make music and, and pump it out. And, um, that's exciting and and I'm glad for for that and grateful for that but on the other hand it's like ugh, you know even just trying to get someone to to write about your record is is pretty tough yeah um, it's, it's so it's I tough. just so I don't try <laughs> I choose not to try I I, I I I I'm I'm not a careerist I don't care uh or I I like to think I don't care I every now I have my moments where I care but I <laughs> overall don't care well I so I hope I try to keep my ego in check sure well I hope this helps it a little bit I hope people check out this thing it's a let me say once again. This is the go ahead. This is the pinnacle. This is this is the this is the peak. This is peak publicity, <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> You've uh, been. <laughs> this is as good. This is the this is the best forum <laughs> for musical discussion we have. Well, I appreciate. I don't know if you mean this show or this format, but uh, I, I mean everything about. I mean this. I mean this show. I mean you. Well, geez, Louise, as as as, as a conduit. Jeez, uh, Rob, I, I, I'm your, you got me blushing over here, which is hard to do. I have, I have brown <laughs> skin. And people can't even see the blush. But uh, you have been very kind no, to me I, about I, the show I, in the past, th- and I appreciate it. Oh, well, I mean, hey, I, 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 um, no, I, 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 that may all sound like I'm being uh, facetious, but I, I do mean it. You're, you're an inspiration. You, you do a lot, and you do a lot to, uh, to. Uh, I don't like the word support, but to to feed the feed the feed the the energy behind the music coming out of this crappy and wonderful country. So well, it's good. Well, thanks. You're Thank great. you. Well, the, this, you're great. I'm great. We're great. <laughs> nice <laughs> note to end on. Really, uh, let me tell folks uh, once again: uh, the new bankruptcy record is an excellent one. It's called For the Future. It's out now via uh, Rob's own uh, imprint, One Point Seven Publications. And bankruptcy plays Adelaide Hall in Toronto on September eighth, twenty sixteen. Oh yeah, that's what I was trying to get at. There is there other shows, oh, other yeah. tour what? dates. What's going on? Uh, right now, uh, the only one that I'll share is we're also playing Pop Montreal this year, which is exciting. Cool. Um, and uh, that's that's the only one that I'll I'll go on the record with right now. But yeah, we're we're gonna get out um, as much as possible in the next little while. So uh, stay tuned. Okay. Speaking of staying tuned, for more information, people can visit bankruptcymusic.com and also robbenvy.com. Now, oh, is there that's, is, there, is that that's is that not okay? A website worth going to? No, it's good. <laughs> I went to it. I just went to it today, and it was actually all up to date. Really, is it? Uh, I don't even. The I don't know what's on record. anymore. It, it's yeah, you got the. Of... You've got stuff on there. It's good. All right. You have to believe me. I I go to websites all the time. I mean, it's not a. It's not like the flashiest website in the world. But, do we uh, do we need websites anymore? I don't even know if we need websites anymore. <laughs> I think in your case, because you do so many different things, I like that you had the music and the books and the, all the stuff you do. It's all there. It's easy. I, some people don't. All right. They're just like, I'm too cool to tell anyone what I do, which is a fine <laughs> attitude to take. But I kind of liked that you had everything there for me and I could you know make why? sure it was actually Because I'm not cool. <laughs> no, I think there's a certain coolness in being sincere, mature. Yes. And factual with about yourself, you know, putting it all out there. Do you say it's, sincere and sexual? Is that what you said? I think I said factual, but that wasn't quite. Oh, factual! Just like I was factually, hoping you said sincere and sexual. <laughs> sincere and sexual. That's the way 
the kids are now. So you're the headline right. for this. The headline for the transcript <laughs> of this interview will be Rob Van V. What was it? Mature, sincere, and sexual. Yes, I guess so. I like it. That's, that's not actually ironically not factually correct, but uh, that's what? fine. Well, that's not what I said. I, I anyway, it's oh. it's all well and good. Is there? I thought a, you were saying it's not factually correct that I'm sexual. No, and I wasn't. If, any, if anything comes out of this interview, I want listeners at home <laughs> to know that. I am very sexual. Okay. All right. Well, now that now they know. Now, is there a song from the bankruptcy record we can go out on? Uh, do you have a time limit? No. Let's do that one. Barf up candelabra. That's a good it one. Rocks out and then it, and then it gets and then it, then it gets cosmic at the end. Yeah, it does do all of those things. I like this song, and you, you, I think you we already talked about why what was going on in that song. So I don't think we have to say anything else. This is barfed up candelabra from the new bankruptcy record for the future. Rob Benvy, this was very fun. It was great to catch up with you again, and best of luck with bankruptcy and everything else you do. Thanks a lot, Vish. You're the best.
Candelabra by Bankruptcy from their new album for the future. Thanks again to Rob Benby for stopping by the show to talk about the band and Thrush Hermit and all sorts of other stuff too. They're great. He's great. Thank you, Rob. This episode of uh, Creative Control is brought to you by The Bookshelf, which is a movie theater, a restaurant, a bookstore. It is a cultural hub located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph, Ontario. Oh, it's also a venue. The E-Bar is part of The Bookshelf. 
Again, 41 Quebec Street in Guelph, Ontario. For more information about their hours, listings, blogs, directions, accessibility, and to order books from their online store from anywhere in the world, please visit bookshelf.ca. Uh, this episode is also brought to you by Pizza Trocadero, the finest pizzeria in all of Guelph, Ontario. They have lots of stuff, and it's all very, very good. You can find them at 7 Municipal Street in Guelph, or, or visit uh, trocaderoguelph.ca for more information. You can also call them for a pickup or delivery in Guelph at 519-829-2444. If you want to learn more about Creative Control with Vishkana, this show... Go to vishkana.com, V-I-S-H-K-H-A-N-N-A.com. And there you can learn how you can uh, subscribe to the show, download the show, share the show, review the show, all those things uh, via iTunes, audioboom.com. The complete archive of uh, 270-odd episodes is available on my website. There you'll also see a link where you can go to make a flexible monthly donation uh, to the program, to the podcast at patreon.com or you can look us up uh, at patreon.com Creative Control Vishkana is also uh, on Facebook and on Twitter at Vish Creative and you can listen to a version of this show Wednesdays at noon Eastern Standard Time uh, around the world at CFRU.ca or in the region at CFRU 93.3 FM in Guelph speaking of Guelph I've noticed that this is my uh, 20th anniversary uh, this week sometime this week 20 years ago, I moved to Guelph. It's very nice to be in this city. It's a great city, so if you haven't been, come check us out. Uh, Someone just told me that they talked to someone who moved here because of the... (laughs) They claim because of the podcast. (laughs) I don't think that's true, but I think they heard about the city because of uh, the show, which is hugely flattering. I don't know where they were from, but they were compelled to check out the city, and they liked it. So that's... Hey powerful show this one i guess thanks to that person for coming to guelph and uh, you should come to guelph too visit live here do something it's it's a nice place anyway uh, that's it for me uh, for this episode i will talk to you uh, very soon goodbye for now hey it's Paige desorbo from giggly squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to quince i'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters sleek leather jackets fine jewelry and so much more with quince being 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands and they partner with factories that prioritize safe ethical and responsible manufacturing i love that Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.